Good morning, Olive Ranch. How are you guys doing? It's uh, great stories like that that continue to motivate us in what God is doing in hearts and lives of people. And, uh, you know, you all have great stories. And we want to continue and encourage you that if you know your story and you haven't been able to share that, to email us your story or perhaps even write it down and drop it in a box here at the church. We just want to be able to share those stories of life change as God has uh, kind of changed you and, and used Olive Ranch in, in your life. You know, if you're a guest here, though, I want to welcome you as well. My name is Greg Harris. I'm the uh, senior pastor at Olive Branch. And you, you get a great opportunity today because you're checking the church out at a time where we're talking about where we're going and where we're headed over the next couple of years. And so you get an awesome opportunity to kind of listen in and kind of catch a perspective of who we are and what makes our heart beat. And so make a wise decision on how you want to connect or not and be a part of what we're doing. And in the meantime, though, we are talking as a church together over this thing called His Story, this initiative, which we are engaging over the next two years to really challenge ourselves to take our mission statement of changing everyday people into a community of passionate Christ followers for God's glory, taking that into the high gear, really pressing us forward. It's a really exciting opportunity for us as we've been talking about where we're going. And in fact, we began in this initiative three weeks ago talking about the fact that God has laid out his story throughout history and throughout time and finally came to the church where he delivered that story to the church. And we as Olive Branch are part of that church that now it's our turn. It's our generation. It's our time to take that message forward to the next generation and take it out and spread it around. And so being challenged with that thought to be part of his story, to let God write his story through. A second week then, we talked about the first part of this kind of breakup of this vision in three kind of aspects. The first was to love it. And we're talking about the celebration of these changed lives that you're seeing and talking about the rejoicing of knowing God is doing things in our lives and in others, telling about 105 of those stories and even engaging in the conversation of, say, like uh, the new worship center so that we can have a place to reach and see God's gospel proclaimed and his worship known even greater. So we kind of talked through that. Then we moved into the live it section. So we don't want to just make converts. We want to see disciples and all of us walking in the faith and living that out. And we talked through our last week, our entire discipleship system here at the church, how we want to bring that to, uh, to finality in this institute. And the fact that, yes, part of that is going to require a, a training center that we're going to be building down in the canyon here. And all these pieces pulling together as we kind of lead to this, this share it section. Now, the share it section is really about this one idea. And guys, that is that we can't see two times the attendance and a thousand people in small groups if we're not actually taking his story and sharing it with the people around us. And so we're going to dive into that idea. And if you've missed any of the past, you can go to the OBCC History website and um, you can check out the... uh, the podcast there and catch up with us. But as we move forward, I really want to challenge us with with some of the thinking about why we need to share his story. Interesting. How many of you guys have seen TED Talks or watched TED Talks? Anybody know what TED and know what TED Talks are? Okay. TED Talks are pretty powerful examples of public speaking that is done by all kinds of different people. And one of the more famous ones, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it and I've read about it a few times, is one done by Bill Gates. Bill Gates, in his desire for philanthropy and to spread out his wealth that he's had, he, he's, he, he thought he's going to try to hope to solve one of the world's biggest problems, namely malaria. Malaria is, um, he established the fact that malaria is basically always in, somebody's always dealing with malaria. About 200 million people at any given time is dealing with malaria. Millions of people die from malaria every year. And that it's just this horrible situation, because guess what? We don't have malaria in the United States because we have a solution to it. We have a way of solving it. 
And as he's speaking about malaria, he's got this bell jar on this podium next to him as he's talking. And can't you, from the audience, you couldn't really see what it was. But he's just talking about it. He's talking about the fact that this is transmitted by mosquitoes. And that in America, we spend more money on hair care products and and makeup and trying to make uh, rich people look good and feel good than we do on stopping malaria globally. And as he says that, at the right moment... He takes his hand on the jar, and then he lifts it up. And he's already established there are mosquitoes in this thing. And then he says this, there's no reason only poor people should have the experience. And he lets out a malaria-infested, supposedly malaria-infested mosquitoes into this room. And I loved it because the thought was simply this. If I've got to give you the disease to get you motivated to work on the cure, then I'm going to do it. But the beauty of our situation as Christians is this. Everybody already has the struggle with sin. Everybody already has engaged in the reality of the mess it makes of our lives, the tension it puts in our relationships, of the destruction it does between us and knowing God. And that we shouldn't need to be motivated with more of the problem before we get the solution that God has given us through his history out the door and to people. And so I don't need a bell jar when I can just simply sit down and tell you and we can remind ourselves of the disaster of our lives and the struggles we've had, as you've seen in these stories, to get this message out there and share it. In fact, it is a core aspect of what the church is supposed to do and be. And we see that here in the book of Acts. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 42 through 47, again, kind of taking some other observations from this text. And um, if you haven't been with us. We've been looking at this. If you need a Bible, by the way, page 910 in the Bibles and Deceits. But if you haven't been with us, we've been looking at this passage every week, and we're kind of pulling each of these aspects, the love it, the live it, and the share it, out of this passage. Because really, this is the ideal church. 3,000 people have just come to Christ at Pentecost, which was a Jewish festival. They've come to be believers of Jesus and followers of Jesus. And now they're living together and they're celebrating and they're doing these things. And we pick it up right here in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling these, their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we see this kind of situation. We talked about the fact they were celebrating it. They were gathering together regularly, studying the word of God, understanding what God had been teaching them, going and living this out together so they were sharing and being radically generous, joyfully generous with each other, sharing in their needs. And finally, it says they were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day. Those who are being saved. This is important because this is the evangelism. This isn't week by week. A lot of Christians, we just hope, hey, every week somebody will come to faith in our church services or whatever. But this idea here is very clear. These people were coming to faith on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. They weren't just one time of the week. It was every day of the week because the church was regularly engaged in connecting with their community, connecting with their surrounding people, and talking about the story of Jesus Christ and sharing his story. And so that's where it starts with us. You see, we, as a church, we have been commanded to share his story with our area. 
In fact, earlier in the book, and if you want to turn there, you can go back to the chapter 1. You can read the story that Jesus is standing there. He's about to ascend into heaven. His final moments with his disciples. And they start asking questions like, hey, is this the end of the age? Is, is the kingdom of God going to happen now? Is this what? And he goes, hold on a second. And he says this. You don't need to know that stuff, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very end of the earth. And this is the idea. That he is sitting there saying, guys, I've given you a mission. I've given you my presence. I'm giving you something to do. As my final marching orders, and I haven't heard that he's rescinded these yet, so I think they probably still stand. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit so you guys can get out there and tell my story. That's what a witness does. They tell the story. And you need to tell it where you are and onwards from there. And so it's powerful, guys. In Corona, this church began down in Norco area, and it told the story in Norco. It moved into the Parkridge area, down off of Parkridge, which is like North Corona, and started telling the story in that area. It started to expand to the point where we came to El Cerrito, and we've continued to be faithful to tell the story here. Now, what's interesting is the story is being told a lot in Corona. Uh, in fact, if you, if there, there's about 100 church plants in Corona right now. That's not including the established churches in town. And so what you're looking at is a situation that even when I talk to the Southern Baptist um, Association and stuff, they say, look, we'll, we'll, we'll support, we love supporting church plants. And they do. They said, but we will not support a church plant in Corona. There's just too many churches. And what's interesting then is that here we are in Corona where we have brought the message right to where we are. We continue and we will continue to do that. But here's the reality if you'll look at this, this map behind me. Right here, all these little red dots represent churches. There's a couple small ones in an industrial park, and those guys basically are on their lease. If the lease owner says you're done, they got to move. So they're, they're not what we'd call established. All the way down here are a couple others, and this is this idea uh, right down here of, um, of Lake Elsinore. And so between here, and here is us, the last established church in the row, and here, there's nothing. This represents an area that contains at least about 200,000 people. In just this map right here. What you have right here is an awesome opportunity. Where there is no churches. Where God has planted an opportunity for us square in the middle of this valley. Where God's name isn't known. I think that's what he's talking about. You go. Okay, we've been faithful here. Now I'm time to move down to this area, this Judea, this next section where the gospel is not yet named. And our opportunity there is to bring that message of good news into this area. To spread it and let people know about what Jesus Christ has done for them. Oh, what an opportunity, amen? I'm excited about this. In fact, that's why some of you guys weren't here last week, so you didn't get to see this. That's why this tool, the, the, the property that we're looking to develop, ultimately builds out to be like this. And this is all based upon the vision uh, beyond even this first two years that we're talking about. But the first phase is really this multi-purpose room and this youth admin room adult curriculum room. And right here would be the first phase with some smaller modulars in, uh, in this area for children's ministry and other things. Second phase adds on this so that we can have room for the academy and the preschool and our children's ministry to continue to grow and develop. And then last but not least would be the final worship center in the third phase along with some developments in here. Now all this is designed for the sake of the fact that we want to be able to see people have a place in this area to celebrate God's name, to hear the stories, to worship together, and to be engaged. 
engaged. It's also there so that we can have a place where we can build this institute and see people trained and developed. But it's also a place where we gather to realize what God has done, to challenge ourselves to go back out and reach out into our neighborhoods and to continue to grow and develop in our faith together. All of this happens in the tool called a building. So I want you guys to see this again because I really think what God's calling us to do in that area is to really move to stretch out and see these people's lives changed and to have a place that they can worship. Now, how do we do that? How do we really engage in that? And there's lots of ways. We could talk about the idea of us engaging in one way of like, hey, let's do all these outreach events. We'll talk about that. Let's do these. But the primary way is the way that Jesus taught us. And it's in the book of Luke, chapter 10. And I want you guys to go there. Flip your Bibles over. Luke chapter 10, if you need to, 868 in the Bibles in the seats. And I want to look at this. And Jesus has given us an opportunity to really lay out a route to reaching our neighbors, our friends, our family members. And it begins this way. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. Now, these are his disciples that he's gathered together. He's already sent out the 12, and they came back, sending out another team forward. He said, go out there. Let's go reach these people. Send them out to the head of them, two by two, to enter every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Number one step in whatever we're going to do is we got to pray like crazy. Guys, I've talked about prayer in all these different ways, but we've got to be a people of prayer. God's going to open up hearts for his gospel because we're asking him to, because we're asking for God to send us and use us. So there's two ways that we should be praying. First, are you praying for each other? Because we all know we should be engaging and reaching our friends for Christ. We all know we should be sharing the news that God has given a gift to the world, namely salvation. That heaven is free and wide open, available through trusting in Jesus Christ's death upon the cross. And we know that's our gift. We know that's what we get to give. But how many of us are really doing it? You know, we're kind of not sure. Maybe we don't have people we really connect with that we can do that. And there's a tension that exists there. And we should be praying for each other. As I'm nervous about doing it, as you're nervous about doing it, lift each other up. God, send harvesters. There's a wide open harvest down here. There's plenty of people who don't know this message that have an opportunity to hear it. Let's get out there and let's make a difference and let's be praying. And so that's why these cards were on your seat. I mean, grab your card if you've got it. If if you sat down and wasn't there, grab the one next to you. But the um, opportunity here is really the outline of the whole message is on the face of the card. Prayer, care, share. Right there. The opportunity for you guys is to take this card and on the back it says share his story with and there's three blanks. And I would love for you guys to pray through and put down the three names of people or couples that you're trying to connect with to, to enable, to strengthen and bring them to the Lord. Now, why, why this? Because guys, we got to pray. Maybe you got to put this card somewhere on your dashboard, somewhere in your Bible, so it's in your face, so you can say, I know these people, I'm praying for these people. I keep this, this is a business-sized card, put in your wallet, keep it with you. And so it enables you an opportunity to be praying for these people that you care about. And these are real people. These aren't numbers. These are your neighbors. This is my neighbor, Brian. This is my friend, Steve, from high school. It's these kind of people that I want to connect with that will be on my card. And they're real humans that we love and we care about. 
And so this enables us to be praying for each other. And so keep that card. Fill it out. Use it right now if you can. If you know those names, we should all have three people. Or boom, boom, boom. Start praying over them. We should pray like crazy for those people. And so Jesus says, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out laborers into his harvest. The beautiful thing about that is, so we go and reach out in the harvest and bring it in. God disciples those people and they become people who go out in the harvest and bring people in. So there would be, my, my prayer would, God, I think hell's filled up enough with enough people, to be quite honest, right? You think enough people have had to go there? Why don't we just get out there and tell everybody nobody needs to go anymore? God's kind of put a ban. He's given a free ride out. So come on, let's trust in Jesus Christ and see how this goes. I I think there's plenty of reason we need to get engaged in this way. And so what do we need to really do? Number two, he says, get going. Don't just pray, get moving. Notice what he says. Verse three, go your way. You know, get going. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. In other words, he says, stop making excuses. Go. Hey, don't, 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 don't dawdle along the way. Don't get, all, don't get packed up first. Make sure you got all your supplies. And he's just like, no, don't do that. Go. Leave your knapsack. Leave your, leave your, your sandals. Whatever you've got on you, go right now. And don't even say hi to people on the way. Don't get caught up in conversations. Get moving. This is a mission. Let's accomplish what we're called to. How many of us have heard this message before and we just haven't activated it? We just kind of sat around. We're like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good for everybody to hear this. I've heard this th- three or four times. No, guys, we need to be in it. We need to be engaged in it. If I, my daughter came downstairs from have me telling her to go clean up a room and said, you know, I've thought about this. I've heard you tell me to clean up my room so many times. That's a great idea. I would be upset. God's called us to engage. He said, go. Yeah, it's going to be tough. There are like people out there like wolves. You're going to meet people and it's going to hurt. When you talk to that brother, you talk to that neighbor who tells you, get lost, you're crazy. Yeah, that hurts. And sure, it's going to be rough. There's going to be times where you're going like, I don't know even how to get through this. I don't even know what to do here. But I want to know, I want to tell you something. Don't not go because you're scared. And trust me, it's scary. It can be fearful. Moses was asked to get going and go tell a message to a Pharaoh. And he's like, I can't do this. I can't do that. God simply said to him this. He said, I am with you. Imagine being Joshua with a ragtag group of men. All they've done all their life is wander around in the desert. That's it. What do you know? I know a lot about sand. That's what they knew. And they're going, now we're going to go conquer this land. They don't have an organized army. They were, their parents were a bunch of slaves. They had walked out of Egypt. And they're just roaming around. And God says, go. And Joshua was probably nervous and a little freaked out. And God comes to Joshua and looks at him and says, have I not commanded you? Be strong, courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. I am with you. It's no wonder then at the end of the Great Commission, as we call it, in the book of Matthew, after he tells us to go make disciples of all the nations, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Guys, sometimes we may be wondering, where is God's presence? Where is he? What's going on? And I wonder if sometimes his his presence isn't as powerfully with us because we're not on his mission. Because we're not out there 
doing the one thing that he said the Holy Spirit was given to us to empower us to do. That his Holy Spirit, which is his presence, is given to us to be witnesses in Judea, Jamera, Judea and Jamera. Yes, Jamera is in this location in southern Africa. Now, in Jerusalem, in these locations, guys, he's given us his presence for this very task to share his story. And perhaps we need to realize that it's just a matter of getting going, making the phone call, inviting the people over for the barbecue or the hangout at your house for the appetizers. Maybe it's just so much as calling up saying, hey, let's get coffee. I haven't talked in years. You know, walking out the door and purposely taking your trash out when you see your neighbor taking their trash out just to have a conversation. We need to get going. We need to not wait. It needs to be as soon as possible. Third, then, is we need to care for them. It's not just straight up walk up, they're taking their trash out. Hey, you know our lives are full of trash. You know, we don't, you know, Jesus did that sometimes, you know, and it's okay. But I'm saying a lot of times what we want to do is get connected with people. We want to care about them. There's an initial resistance to Christianity or there's an initial full-on acceptance of Christianity. You'll find one or the other. There's kind of this like, nah, I'm not really interested in that. Or it's like, hey, I'm already there, man. Yeah. And you're like, really? That's odd. I didn't know that. Because our culture is either thinks they're Christian or they're just not with it. They just don't like Christianity. The bottom line is that, guys, we need to care often to, more often before we share. They don't care what we know until they know that we care. It's a great adage. And too often, I think we jump into the knowledge before we've even shown them that we want to live this story out at the same time as share that story. Now, where do I get this from? Jesus. Look at what he says. He carry, he said, after he tells him, get going, he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. Bless it. Be a blessing to people. Be positive. Connect with people and care about them. And he goes on to say, and if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer is, deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter town, they receive you. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick. Notice he's like, spend time. Spend lots of time. When you come to this house, hang out in that house. Stay in that house. Connect with those people. Care about them. Don't just like, hey, how's it going? Oh, you don't want that? Fine, I'm going somewhere else. No, we want to connect. There's process and time. This isn't people who are just knocking our notches. Oh, I got that person saved and I got that. No, that's not the goal. We want to care about people. And in that, the gospel will come out. You see, as you start talking to people, what you'll discover is something that's hard for us. You see, I went on a prayer walk a little while ago, and I was challenged with this thought as I was walking around my neighborhood, praying for my neighbors. I'm like, man, what do they need? I mean, it seems like their lives are great. They've got this nice house. They've got kids, good cars. They're out driving. They go off to the, they, you know, they've, they've got family in Newport. So they've got a beach house they go to visit. And they surf all the time. Nice. He's, this guy across the street's got his lake house. He's got his boat. And this guy over here, I'm just, I'm kind of in this neighborhood going, I'm in the wrong place, man. No, nobody's got any problems around here. And then God just, you know, nailed me. He's like, no, 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 no. Everybody's got issues. Just because it doesn't look like it on the outside and that everything's cleaned up and everything looks the way they want, presentable, doesn't mean there aren't problems. You have to spend enough time with them to know. 
And it was interesting because as I was thinking about this, I didn't realize when I had heard it last time. I was talking to my neighbor a few weeks ago. I told you guys this. And he was asking questions about what we're doing with the His Story initiative and things. It's like, well, why would people give? What do they get out of it? It was that kind of interesting story, uh, conversation. In that, he, I found out, hey, I've, he stopped working nights. He'd switched over to days. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I bet your, your, your wife loves that. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, huh. It wasn't, my, it wasn't the answer I expected. I don't know what it means. I haven't followed in. I didn't push in. I didn't press on the button. In fact, I just kind of let that go to keep kind of the conversation light because it was like my second time ever talking to him. But right there, guys, is what happens when you just take a few minutes to talk. You'll start discovering where people are at. That we all have needs. In fact, I want to give you three ways to listen. Three things to listen for in your conversation. Three knots that you should listen for. The first knot is simply this. That they're not going to church. You're talking to them, you're engaged with them. Oh, I'm not going to church. You find out, well, why not? Maybe they just never been to church. They just never experienced it. Maybe they did when they were kids. And oftentimes they'll tell you, ah, oh, we thought about going back to church. We just haven't done it yet. Anybody need an invitation to invite anybody? There it is right there. When they say that, you're just like, hey, I got a great church. Come check it out. That's an easy one. Other times you may hear this. Man, I went to churches. Those places are just X, Y, and Z, and da-da-da. And then you go, was that Olive Branch? And they go, yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's like... <laughs> No, I, but the point is simply that, guys, no church is perfect. People are hurt by churches every day. But what an opportunity for you to lean in and say, you know, I'm sorry that the church has hurt you. That's just not the way that churches are trying to work. And yeah, there are, some, there are some rough points in all churches. I'm sorry you had to rub up against that. What an opportunity to heal someone of an anger or a false perception that the enemy may be using but that simple not going to church is a great inroad to a great conversation. A second knot that you can run into is I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well financially. I'm not doing well emotionally. I'm not doing well with my family, relationally. I'm not doing well at my job. When you get connected with people, you'll start to hear this about your second or third conversation with people, how things are not going. Because you're finally getting past the picture that our lives are all going perfect. And if you're willing to share your stresses, they're oftentimes willing to share theirs. And if you're willing to say, I'm here to pray for you, they're oftentimes ready to tell you what, they, what, they're, what you can pray for. Because you care. And you know, caring people in communities right now are hard to find at times. And it's odd to meet a neighbor who goes like, I care about you so much, can I pray for you? He's like, that would be weird. No, I doubt it would be. It's really a sign in many of our cultures that I care about you. And I'm concerned about your life. And it's an opportunity here. I'm not doing well. And it's an opportunity to note that and continue to care for them very specifically. A third knot that you want to look for is I'm not, I'm not knowing what, what to expect. They're going to tell you things like, I changed jobs. I don't know where it's going to go. Oh man, my career looks like it's in jeopardy. They're laying people off. I'm not sure what's going to happen. My kids are, are entering into junior high and I'm scared to death. That's a great transition point for people to engage in, by the way, is when their kids become teenagers. They're, everybody's hunting for answers at that point. And it's a great time to look for these transitions in life where honestly, a lot of times people just don't know why they're here anymore. 
And when a job ends or a situation changes, it reveals that they're going, I don't know what life's about. Regardless of how good their circumstances are, there's a deep need to know what's coming. And that's where Jesus Christ steps in. He gives us an answer. He tells us that he loves us, that he's given us himself to bear our sins on the cross. Why? So that we can have a meaning to our life. So that we can have a destiny. So that we can be used by God and there's a purpose for our lives. Guys, our world needs purpose right now. Our world needs meaning right now. And they need answers to things that they don't know what to expect. Like ISIS. What do I got to expect? Like our economic situations that are going on underneath. Everybody's looking at the stock market going, woohoo, when's this going to die? There's plenty of insecurity and insurity out there. And those conversations will come up and we need to be ready to have those conversations and connect with people. And so we care. And then in this, when you hear these things, you become somebody who cares by being a resource. What do I mean by that? Guys, do you know why we do announcements? Well, of course, to tell us what's going on so we can all sign up and spend more money. You know, that kind of, no. You know why we do announcements? Yes, so we can all sign up and do stuff. But also, because I hope that you guys are engaging with your, with your neighbors and your friends enough to know that these other things are going on and to see that oftentimes God has already provided an answer for you. And all you got to do is be paying attention to the announcements. You got a buddy who doesn't have any friends right now because they just moved in. You're saying, hey, you want some instant connect- connection? We're doing a golfing thing. Oh, I don't really know how to golf. Nah, neither do they. Grab your clubs. Let's go. <laughs> it's an opportunity for us to, to hear that, hey, a young mom's just had a baby and she's wrestling through things and doesn't know where to go and mops announcement comes up. Guys, announcements are not just to tell us what's up. They're there as tools to help you be able to provide opportunities, connect other people into the life of the body of this church and of Jesus Christ. Don't just glaze out at announcement time. It's an opportunity to go, God, are you doing something here? And if you're sharing his story and you're sitting in here loving his story, oftentimes God will bring those together and you'll see how he works in ways you could never believe. Maybe it's just the topic of the sermons. Maybe it's just the book we're in, like in Romans. And suddenly you hear what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about fear this Easter. How to overcome fear, because this world is pretty scary right now. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities. You start connecting with people to say, you know what? We're going to be talking about that. You should come check out my church, because the topic fits. If it's already passed, and you find out, oh, you got a podcast. Hey, I've got something I can hand you. Here's a book. Here's a podcast. Here's a resource. I care about you, is what you're saying. Care goes a long way, guys. And that's when it comes time that we share. Notice what Jesus says. He have been with these guys, heal the sick, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Whenever you enter a town that they do not receive you, go into his, its streets and say, even the dust of your town clings to our feet. Wipe it off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, be real serious about it. It's, there's a point where you got to just do it. you got to be serious about bringing the message that Jesus Christ has died for their sins, born their struggles, troubles, and evils on himself to give them life. And we talk about this every week, but it's clear, guys, if you haven't heard this, that God loves you. He's given his son to bear your sin on the cross. That if you would receive him, 
You'd be forgiven of your sins. You'd be made in the right relationship with God and God would come into your life and lead you. That's the gift that we give away. Sometimes that looks like Chris's story where he shares what God has done and some of you need to hear that God works in lives even today. Some of you needed to hear the Mendoza story of how God heals a marriage. There are people in our neighborhoods who need to hear your stories and what God has done in you. How he sustained you in a time of pain. How he's given you strength against addictions. How he's empowered you to overcome a financial crisis. How he's shown you to become more generous in the midst of all that is stories you share and becomes powerful, powerful steps towards helping people see that God is alive, well, and doing great things in this world. So don't fear to share his story. In fact, we know that some of us still need some training in this. So we're over the next couple of years, we're challenging ourselves to simply, we want to get to where we do 200 people. We want to see 200 people trained. Let me get that up to the next slide, please. Ah, this thing's zoned out. So we want to do 200 people trained in evangelism. And this is the very goal, that we would see those people trained up and ready to go. Right now, Kevin Kane's class is rolling, right? Um, and there have been, we have about 14 people in there who are going through this training as we speak. And they're getting excited about how they can engage people and bring the gospel in a meaningful way forward. Second is the opportunity for us to get into the, give, uh, to give everybody an excuse to do this by doing outreaches in the valley. And so what we want to be able to do is in this, is this valley down here. I want you to think about this as a church. How many of you guys live in one of the valley communities down here? One of these communities. How many of you guys have, many of us actually have a room, a community center in that valley. And so it's an opportunity for us. Why, 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 why do we need to do FPU here one more time? Can't we do it in the community center down there and invite the neighbors? Now it's close to them. Some of us could do a parenting class. Some of us could do a class on the love languages just to help out marriages. These are outreaches that honestly maybe your small group should engage or some of us need to jump on so we can become a meaningful help down the valley. Now that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about in these next two years. Look for those. Join with us along with the James Projects and the other outreaches like that as we do these all over Corona, all over this valley and enable us to connect with people. Now, all of this leads to this, that we're also called to not just the re- people here, but the unreached for Christ. What do I mean by that? In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 through 20, whoops, we are told this. Oh, there we go. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am, make, I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples of who? All nations. And our job and our goal is to see unreached people, people who have never heard the name of Christ in a Christian context, come to hear about him. And so that's what we've been doing. You've heard of our Africa team. They're up behind me. And this team here has dedicated themselves. And this is important to me. These are students from the youth ministry when I was the youth pastor, most of them. And they, they're, they're excited because they are ready to leave their comforts of an American life, to leave the comforts of what's going on here, to go to Africa, literally to people in South Africa, Muslim group, and bring them the message. And guys, this is important today. Christine, who's in the center holding the baby, Christine was already in Africa, in the heart of Africa, in sub-Saharan Africa, doing this very thing. Not just trying to start a church or make converts, but to launch a church planting movement in the area. Translating the Bible, making contacts, teaching them how to teach each other the word of God. All of this is going on. 
And today she's back with us now because of dangers that had risen due to terrorism. And we think, what's up with this terrorism? You know what's up with this terrorism? There is a gospel movement beginning now where she was because the terrorists have shown them that this is what Islam is like. And these are Muslims. They're going, if that's what Islam is, we don't want anything to do with it. Tell us about your God. And that's what they're saying. These people are longing for peace. They're longing for truth. They're longing for hope. And they see that it's not here, it's over here. And we want to be in those nations ready to give away the gospel of Jesus Christ, his story, so that the gospel movement can begin there like it is here and continue to spread out through all of Africa, all of South America, wherever God takes us. Amen? Amen. That means we got to be engaged together. And our goal is to see these guys get out of here in the next two years. Actually, we're hoping to see him gone by July, to be quite honest. Go away. No, no, we want, to, we want them going. And so we're going to support them at 40% of their need through the budget. And that's where this history puts in. The rest they've got to raise and they've got to put together because it creates a broad support structure for them. And so you've heard, many of you have heard from them. But this is the desire to see them moving. And the second thing is some of you may wind up with a letter in your mailbox from the elders of the church inviting you to consider that perhaps God is ready to do the same thing with you that he's doing through them. Maybe some of you have already got that, that bug. You're like, that's me. I want to do this. And let us know. Because by the end of two years, we want to have already begun to prepare the second team to get moving to wherever God's going to send them. And guys, this is the dream. You want to know more about this? Get out there. Connect at our mission table. Talk to our Africa team. They'll, they'll talk you up and down. They'll, they'll give you all kinds of good stuff to look at. But this is what we're doing in these next two years. It includes this global mission. When I say we're going to do our mission statement and we're going to do it all, we're not changing anything. We're just going to keep pressing forward and see what God wants to do through us. But this means we've all got to be engaged. We've all got to be a part of it. Not just some of us. Guys, I'm not Olive Branch. The elders are an olive branch. The staff is not olive branch. We are. And when we do this together, we're doing it together. All of us in. All of us connected. All of us marching to see the unreached reached. All of us marching to see this valley reached. All of us together to celebrate his name. It's us together. It's important for us to know this and keep that in our sights because we're going to share his story and I'm the only one going to do it. I'm not going to get too far. If it's only the elders, it's going to get a little further. But it requires all of us to do it together. And that's when God does great movements and shapes great things. Now, in this one fun conversation we've talked about, some of you may not have been here, we've allocated budgetarily 0.7 million toward this aspect of the vision. So this is not a separate fund. We're doing one fund. Again, this is kind of that. It can get a little confusing for people. It's like, what are these different numbers? This is a budget line. And, but this is a budget line enabling us to move things around. See, if we lock it all down under buildings and we need help in the missions, we can't move money. If we lock it all down in missions and we need some help on staff, we can't move it out. We, we've, and so the one fund allows one budget, one thought, one vision all together. It also allows accountability. So you as members who are members of the church can help us stay on target with what we say we're going to be. And that's why we've encouraged you guys to get engaged when the budget season comes to look at it in the approval times. Now, all of this then comes together for the sake that we would be after the same vision, after the same goal. 
And so this one fund is there to challenge us to keep it focused. And so how do you keep your own focus? Starting with this is the booklet. How many of you, if, if you don't have your booklet, and if you haven't got one yet, by all means, go get one. We got plenty of them. Go hand them out to your neighbors. That may be a good thing to do too. But the idea is just to take one of these. It has the vision in here. It has everything we've talked about. It has a study in the back. And you can take that study and go through that study because on our website also is another way to engage. The OBC See His Story website has all of that information for you. You can watch the, you can listen to the podcast of the last sermons. You can watch the videos of these uh, testimonies and things of the whole overarching video. You can watch the videos for the very small groups and do that right there online. So take a look at that. Challenge you there. Next week though is the big deal. Yes, it rained. Thank you guys. You guys are awesome for being here. And thank you for being here. There, you know people who aren't. And next week is the week that we want everybody here. We wanted everybody here all five weeks, but this is the week that really everybody needs to be here. And we've handed out these cards on purpose, these commitment cards. And if you haven't got one, we'd love you to get one because we want you to pray over it. The commitment card enables you to ask yourself, well, where am I on the, on the giving ladder? Am I, am I in? Am I in at some level? It gives you an opportunity to kind of lay out how you give. And this is the commitment part that's important right here on this inside. And some of you have said, oh, look, it's got names on there. Why do you want to know our names? Why do I have to put my name on my commitment? Here's the answer to that so that we don't double count you. Your, your information's already in our system. And so when we set our budget, it works to know how much we're predicting over the next two years. The commitments enable us to know what you're committing so that we don't overcommit ourselves because you gave us a commitment card but wanted to be anonymous. It may be uncomfortable, but the goal is simply, hey, so we don't double, double count and overcommit. We need to know exactly where we're going over the next two years. And that's why the name thing's on there. So that we can be good stewards and the people who put these budgets together and all the volunteers and leaders can do it right. And we don't have to come back later and go, guys, we overestimated. Uh, no, that's what these are for. So pray through these. If you do anything for me, please, this week, take the card out. Pray over it. Ask God what he's calling you to do. And you as a family, talk to your spouse. Discuss it with your kids. Your kids are being taught this stuff. Your teenagers are being taught this stuff. Engage in the process because next week we're all going to be here together. Yes, it's daylight savings time, but we're going to be here together. All tired together. Trust me, we'll all be really tired together. And uh, we will uh, we'll try to do something. We'll do jumping jacks or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we're going to bring these forward before the Lord. And we're going to lay them out. We're going to ask God to bless it. And we're going to celebrate together. So please, please be here with those next week. And then in two weeks after, after that, on March 22nd, is when it all starts. It's the big give. It's the first day we just put all of our offerings together and say, God, we're ready to go. Let's get moving. So that's what's coming up. I'm excited about that. I hope that you guys are excited about that. God is doing some big things around here, isn't he? Amen. Thank you, Mike. I love it. So... You know, there's some of us who are really pumped and I'm excited to be with you guys on that. But I want to pray over all of you right now as it's coming closer. So let's do that. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just uh, lift up this congregation to you. There are some in this room this morning who are honestly resistant to these ideas. They don't like talking or thinking about money. They are frustrated that we want to even talk about moving or things like that. And God, I just pray that you'd meet them where they're at. Um, God, you would work with them. 
and guide them forward. There's others of us, God, who are right in the middle. There are like some good things, some bad things. They're not, they're not sure. I pray that you would just make it clear through their prayer times, through the word, through conversations, through asking the right questions. And God, that you'd help them get engaged and get more confident that you are leading us in this direction. God, then there's a whole group of us out there that are so pumped up and excited. I pray that you'd give us patience because we wanted this done last week. And God, for those of us, let us not lose energy, but help us to be diligent to just act on what we say we'll act on. And God, in all of this, with all these people, all of all these loved ones that you love, that you long for great things for, I ask that you'd bless them. And God, that you'd use us as you see fit. We surrender ourselves to you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen.